You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. Yes, it is The Sports Fix today because it's Tuesday. That means Tommy's here and Aaron's here. And there's breaking news as we come onto the show uh, here this morning, recording the podcast. Daniel Jones is going to start in uh, New York a Sunday against Tampa. Is that game in New York or Tampa? Tampa. And that's why Tampa is, what, a seven-point favorite? I built six and a half, seven, depending on the book. Does a rooster crow or cockle-doodle-do? A rooster crows, Kevin. Okay, very good. A rooster crows. You haven't spent much time on a farm. I have not spent much time on a farm. I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not really good with animal sounds. If You you want to give me a test? No, no, okay. no, no. That's okay. Would you have a test for me? No, I have no test for okay. you. What does a chicken do? Clucks, right? Yes. A chicken clucks and a yes. rooster crows? Yes. All right, very good. Okay, it, it, it's almost time for cookies. <laughs> it's almost time for me to take a nap today because I did not. I ate cookies late into the night last night watching Monday Night Football and then got up and started my day with a croissant and coffee. <laughs> not eating very well. Right By the way, now. don't ask me anything about Monday Night Football. I won't. Good. Because I didn't watch it. You never do. Well, I, I'm definitely not going to watch it when it's pretty much a waste of time. Yeah, but the Jets used to be your team, so yeah, I know apparently that. not anymore. But, I, but I've grown up. I won't ask you anything about it, but I will just tell you that Miles Garrett's as good a defensive player as there is in the league. Like He's going to be a, a legitimate candidate for defensive MVP this year. Like, and Odell, Mon- like Montez Sweat? Not like Sweat. And, and, uh, and OBJ in his return? Yeah, I saw that that was pretty He impressive. had one of those one-handed catches in the first quarter and then had an 89-yard catch and run for a touchdown in that game. Chippy game, by the way. Very chippy. You know, the, there's talk back and forth all week with Greg Williams and Odell Beckham Jr. Greg Williams did something, Tommy, last night. I don't know why we're talking about Monday Night Football, but I'm just going to mention this to you because Josh Norman is sort of a topic here in town the last few days. Trumaine Johnson signed this massive deal in New York last year to be a corner back for the Jets. Greg Williams comes in as the defensive coordinator. Apparently, uh, Johnson didn't play well in the opener against Buffalo. Williams benches him. Benches him last night. Their big free agent corner. Only took him one game to say, you didn't play well enough last week. You're on my bench. I'm putting somebody else in there. Do you think there's any chance Josh Norman could get benched in Washington? (laughs) Absolutely zero. 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 No, that's not true. Remember, he didn't. He what? He didn't start a game last year because uh, he he had his he-, he had his headphones on when Jay was trying to yell at them. Well, he didn't come out. Well, the second half against New Orleans on that Monday night, did he sit that first series? Maybe because it was. Of that? I forget what. I it mean, was. That, that was. You got to admit, oh. that's pretty harsh. Yeah. Well, Jay came over and slapped those headphones right off his head. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, enough about Monday night football last night. Uh, I want to get your reaction to the game. I think we should talk a little bit about the Nats who are fading here. Um, and then this breaking news that Daniel Jones is going to be the starting quarterback for the Giants on Sunday. You know, they play the Redskins the following week. So you could get the matchup in week four. Remember, I predicted that Haskins would start by the end of September. Yes. But that was before I had this warm and fuzzy about Case Keenum yeah. in the first <laughs> it's two It's kind of hard to bench a guy who, with five touchdown passes, no interceptions, yeah. and about 500 yards passing. He should have about two or three interceptions, but that's beside the point. I actually think he's played pretty well and been pleasantly surprised. But, you know, if, if Jay Gruden faced Daniel Jones with Dwayne Haskins – 
it would be a case of the quarterback that Jay really liked yes. against the quarterback that Dan decided they had to take. Yes, it would. And that would be interesting for that, the first matchup that would be if Haskins an, started that game, which he's not going to do. No. no because not, he's not. he apparently is is I have heard this recently. He's got a long way to go. Daniel and Jones, however, you have not. you have a quarterback option right now. I mean, look, there's there might be ninety nine reasons the Redskins stunk, have stunk so far. One of them is in Case Keenum. No, he's way down the list. Yeah, <laughs> he, I mean, the first eight reasons start on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I uh, I want to get to your thoughts about the game on Sunday, but I wanted to share with you. By the way, real quickly. I just mentioned, you know, Case Keenum is far behind and Daniel Jones is going to start in week three. I do understand that Daniel Jones had a multi-year college career and and Haskins started one year. So it's not, you know, unusual that Haskins has more to learn and has to be developed. Not to mention the fact that Daniel Jones was coached by David Cutcliffe, who is the Manning coach. Yes. You know, coached, uh, you know, obviously Peyton at Tennessee and has been a big part of the Manning, you know, uh, uh, mentorship. I mean, he's really been the mentor for the Manning quarterbacks and the guy that Archie's trusted more than anybody else and one of the best college football coaches in America at Duke. Um, But anyway, I wanted to start with this. I don't know if you saw this. I'm assuming you did, and that was the television rating for the Cowboy game on Sunday locally. Did you see it? Yes, I did. Okay, so this is really um, important for... Those of you who don't really believe in the eroding fan base, and it's also really important for the Redskins and Dan Snyder to get a hold of and to understand the meaning of it. Because the the local TV rating on Sunday was an 18.3 for a week two game against the hated arch rival. All right. That that is a paltry audience for the circumstance. Week two against the Cowboys. Most NFL cities in week two have not thrown the towel in. No. All right? Most NFL cities on Sunday did a much better rating locally for their NFL team than the Redskins did for their arch rival in week two. This 18.3 would have been 10 years ago, double that, maybe even more. Um, Certainly wouldn't have been anything less than a 30 locally. Dallas for the game on Sunday in the Dallas, you know, uh, Fort Worth market, they did a 30.7 for the game. Uh, just to give you a couple of comparables, like New Orleans had this big rematch with the Rams, right. F- 51.6 rating in New Orleans, passionate fan base right now in New Orleans. The Eagles Falcons Sunday night game in New Orleans did a 19.6 rating in New Orleans. All right. That's better than the Redskins that than DC did for the Redskins against the Cowboys. Uh, Milwaukee did a forty three point seven for Packers Vikings. Denver did a thirty three for Bears Broncos, and the Broncos are coming off a six and ten yeah. season, and nobody's that ginned up about them. Here's the deal: most cities are still interested in their football team in Week Two. Some of those numbers in some of those cities may fade late as their teams fade. But in week two, fans watch. Many NFL cities on Sunday doubled or tripled what the D.C. market did for Redskins-Cowboys. I keep emphasizing that, not just because of the rivalry history, but because of this. 
That number is really low when you consider how many Dallas fans were watching that game in D.C. Yeah. The Dallas fans that live in Washington, and they live everywhere, always are going to elevate the number to a higher number. Um, But here, it's reflective of they already got the Dallas. Dallas fans were watching that game on Sunday. So if it had been a game against the Lions or the 49ers, it would have been a horrific number. Horrific. Like like last year, the Colts. Yes. Well, the the Redskins have had worse numbers than 18.3 late in seasons. They did, you know, a a, a 10 or an 11, you know, last year. They did a 14 against the Giants. They've had worse numbers. But for week two against the Cowboys, horrible. It is, I don't know if it frightens them. I don't even know what registers with these people out there. But what you are seeing is this acceleration of a fading and eroding fan base. What you're seeing is 20 years of Snyder coming home to roost. Yeah. To crow. Yes. To crow. <laughs> he has sucked the life out of what what once was one of the most passionate and loyal fan bases in all of sports. Understand this, that it, for those of you that are new to this city, the Redskins were a big deal in this town. All right, perhaps the biggest single unifier of anything in this town, sports or otherwise. From from a member of Congress to, to the waitress in a coffee shop. Every age, every color, every religion, every demographic, people, tickets were in high demand, impossible to get, and people were consumed at 1 o'clock or 4 o'clock or Monday nights with being in front of their television set Absolutely. to watch this game. And now they're not. They're not. And you know what, Kevin? Here's the other part of this. And I, you know, there's some disagreement. I get backlash on a lot of this. But some people have moved on for good. No doubt. So I mean, you know, it's gonna be like, tough to winning, win them back. Win, winning will bring fans back. But what you saw before for a number of reasons, I mean, that's gone. Yeah, I mean, that's gone for a lot of reasons. We could get yes. into just, you know, all of the other options people have. Right. The, you know, a younger de- generation that's more into fantasy football than rooting for a team, all those things. By the way, I just wanted to mention, because I mentioned the really good markets. So Cincinnati got blown out at home against San Francisco on Sunday. That game was over pretty quickly. And Cincinnati, a, a, a team that's not supposed to be good, um, they did a 23 rating locally to watch the Bengals get absolutely shredded by the 49ers, a game that was gone. Phoenix, listen to this one. The Cardinals played the Ravens East Coast in Baltimore. The game started 10 a.m. locally. They did a higher rating than the Redskins did for Redskins-Cowboys in D.C. Wow. This is a stunning number. There have been others in in the past. I remember last year when they played the Giants and they were still mathematically alive for the playoffs. They did they did a fourteen locally, and then later on that afternoon, the Cowboys were playing the Eagles, and that game did a nineteen plus. You know, the Ravens have outrated the Redskins in D.C. a couple of times yes. late in seasons. Those things are alarming, but it's week two. I mean, are you serious? Week two against the Cowboys and you do that kind of number, it was like the fourth worst in the NFL cities on Sunday. Not good. But you Not know what? At all. They had a big crowd. It was probably bigger than any crowd they had last year. I told you it would be, didn't yes, I? Yes, yes. It wasn't a, a total sellout. But it, it was it was a big crowd. Was the, I, you know, I actually didn't check on this. It was not a sellout? 
uh, they didn't announce that as a sellout. Okay. 70, 75000 something they announced. I thought that's so, a sellout now. So it was really close. Uh, but they didn't announce it as a sellout. What is their t- what is their max capacity attendance now, Aaron? I thought it was less than seventy five thousand. Uh, I'm not sure. Let's see. Pulling up FedEx. But, but eighty two is the uh, official yeah. capacity. Yeah, eighty two. Uh, really? But it's, yeah. I, I I think that's an old number. I think it's less than that. Well, anyway, uh, and you know, to be honest with you, I thought Redskins fans. Uh, not did themselves proud, but but showed up more than I thought they would, because it was a half half crowd. Yes. I, I thought it would be seventy thirty cowboy fans. It was a half half crowd, and and Redskins fans were loud when when their team was doing yeah. well. Yeah, no, I, I mean I I was getting reports from a lot of people who were at the game. Um, you know, Cooley texted me very early, and you know, in the first quarter, he said it's it's fifty fifty. You yeah. know, maybe. You know, it depends on where you're sitting and your perspective, but right. it's probably 50-50. But which... there, was, there was one point where I saw uh, a Dallas defensive lineman uh, waving his arms up oh, yeah. to get the crowd ginned up. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't a road environment for <laughs> no, Dallas. No, it was, a new, it was a neutral field. Yeah, it was a neutral environment. Um, back to what you just said, I know people Sunday that did not care that used to be diehards that decided there were better things to do and they followed the game on their phone or they recorded it in the event that they missed something great um but they were not in front of their TVs this is that's amazing that's stunning stunning it you know really Tommy is. Tommy for a lot now some of this I think is probably an age related thing you know life moves on life's too short you want to do things that are of better quality than <laughs> than sitting there and watching this team. I have not gotten to that point. I cannot imagine, even if I didn't do what I do, I can't imagine not watching the games. I don't go to the games. I don't have any interest in going to the games. I was going to go to the game Sunday. I had a ticket to go with friends, and then I got a better offer to play golf early Sunday morning. <laughs> and so I took that offer and then came back and watched the game. I was home in plenty of time by, by 12, 15. But, um, you know, if this team craters this year, uh, and Dan doesn't make sweeping changes in the offseason, that 18.3 is going to be a 14.3 next year, and then the year after that, it's, it's I mean, you're always going to have a group of people that just, that, 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 that for them, life's too short to quit on the team. Yeah, they're you know? too invested. Yeah, too invested, um, but that group is going to be, what's left. Yeah. And to your point, I don't know what it will take to earn the people who have bailed back because what would really get them back is if Snyder sold the team. Right. And was not a part of the picture moving forward. Right. Here's the, 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 the trifecta of, of, of change scandal, resignation, sale. That's <laughs> yeah. the way it That's needs to go. You, you need Snyder to be a part of a scandal, be forced to sell the team. Yeah. And then, then all of a sudden there's this new day, you know, and We'll see, but you know what? Then, then the whole name issue would become an issue with some people. Anyway, but I right now, this is an interesting question for you. Would you trade Snyder? Would you trade the name for a new owner? As a diehard fan of the team, that's always been pro name. Don't want it changed. Don't believe any of these causers who have never had any data. The data has always suggested the opposite of what they've tried to tell you is true. Would you give the name up for a new owner? Oh, my God, that may be a segment tomorrow on my radio show. 
That might be. You that's know a good one, don't that, you think? That, that, that's pretty good. That, that is that, pretty good. That is Sophie's choice right there. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> um, God, would I? I always have to ask myself that question. You're not the right person to ask because no. you're not a fan. Right. Would I trade the name for a new owner? I think. I don't think I could. I, th- I think it would require, it's not a spur to moment decision. I think it would require some soul searching and some deep thinking, uh, you know, if that's possible. Uh, and uh, I think you'd have a slight majority that would say yes. I think so too. And by the way, from the group of people that absolutely have been steadfast about do not change the name. There is absolutely no reason to change the name. There is no compelling evidence that Native Americans find it offensive, which as we've known from all of the real polling is true. Um, And so, but you know what, Tommy? I'm so disgusted with those people out there. I know how much he's ruined something that used to be so important to me and so many people. And the only way it changes is if he's gone or if somehow Haskins turns out to be Peyton Manning. Because the Colt organization was a mess. Ursay is a terrible owner. Yes. But if you have a top, if you have an elite quarterback, like one of the two or three best, it can overcome all of the dysfunction. It, it, it seems to be, I mean, Peyton Manning's the best example. Kurt Warner going to Arizona is a lesser example because they didn't draft him, but they got him with you know three to four years, three years of of really good football left at the end of his career, and he was brilliant at the end of his career in Arizona. I mean that to me, him getting that team to the Super Bowl was what clinched his Hall of Fame. Now, yes, yeah, absolutely. Now, there's there's two things at work here. First of all, and I'm I'm not afraid to say this. Uh, from what I know about Jim Ursay, he may be a train wreck, but he's not a bad guy. Okay, and in, 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 in Arizona, you had a transition of power from Bill Bidwell to the son, yeah. who hasn't proved to be much better, right. but he may not be his father. You know, he's a Georgetown prep graduate. Is he? From here, yeah. He boarded and went to Georgetown prep. Okay. Uh, I don't think you can say the same thing about Dan Snyder. I mean, Dan Snyder may have done some very good things along the way, uh, but nobody is gonna is gonna stand up there who isn't getting a paycheck from him and tell you he's a good guy. Yeah, I, I think that that is um, that's an interesting question because I have heard a lot of different things. I don't know him really at all. You don't know him really at all. We know some people who know him. But even they say they don't really know him. You know, he's definitely reclusive publicly. Um, he's, uh, from what I've been told, socially very awkward. Um, but I have heard professionally that it's not been great to deal with no. um, him over the years. But personally, he's very charitable. Yes, he has. He's been. very generous. Um, so, you know, it's, so, you know, I don't, I don't know what the answer to that is. So was Michael Corleone. I understand that. But if I don't have a, if I don't have personal experience with somebody, especially when we're talking about somebody so close to what we talk about all the time, it's hard. Sometimes I, I do really feel like, you know, the truth is somewhere in between. I know. And, and I'm with you on that most of the time. But I have such an overwhelming amount of people who have worked for him and who have been close to him. 
and and the stories are horror stories. Yeah. I just I I can't ignore the circumstantial evidence. There's no doubt that working for his businesses have for what I what I'm guessing for the majority has not been very pleasant. The culture created is a terrible culture. We just heard about the 40 plus employees that have left, you know, the Redskins organization. But if you are a star and you are a name, there is definitely a jock sniffing element to him as an owner. Oh, and it's absolutely. been that way for 20 years. Yes. So there to- is there is a circle that he has taken in. Yes. That uh that he treats differently. But I, but to take Clinton's word or Cooley's word about what kind of guy he is, I think is would be the wrong thing to do because they've been treated very well because they're stars and he's a jock sniffer, as we've seen over the years. You, you'd have to weigh that against all the other people that didn't have similar experiences. Anyway, back to the question, would I trade the name for a new owner? There would be there. There was a time very recently where, where the answer would have been emphatically no. I know. I mean, you see, you got to remember, you get a new owner. That's no guarantee that I things know, will be better. But it, it can't get any worse. It can't. I mean, seriously, it cannot get worse. I know it can't. Um, I really like my hometown city and my hometown NFL team to be relevant again and to have something to get excited about. But would I get excited for the Washington Warriors? Well, where, where's the in joy? Burgundy and gold? The joy comes With, from the, from, from the uh, results. The, the joy, results tied into all of the, you know, emotional ties to names, to uniforms, to history, to, all the nostalgic things, they all blend together in the definition of, of a fan or the, 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 the emotional feelings that fans have. It's not just that they just beat the Cowboys on Sunday and they've got a chance to be a playoff team. But then again, when it's we've been so far removed from being a competitive outfit, it would be nice just to have you know a standalone decent team and feel proud of the organization and the way it's run and the people involved in it, it would be great at the expense of the name, though. That's a tough one. I don't... I think you'd come down and and and, and give up the name for, for a regime change. I think you would. I really think you would. I mean, you're too competitive I to need, live with this. I, I need... I know, but I'm competitive about the name stuff, too. Because it, re- it but but it you would me. you would examine yourself and and looking forward to the next twenty years of your life, what would be more important to you? That the they chi- suck when and are poorly owned and managed with the name, yeah, or that they want or they had a chance to win. You said there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee. I think I need to know about the new ownership group <laughs> <laughs> and how all that went down. Well, you don't. You're not going to know that. I'm not going to know that. I think I'd consider it. I think you have it's to. It's the first time I think I've ever said anything where I would consider a it name shows, change. It really shows how bad off things are right now. Is yeah. that, you know, short of giving up your firstborn, I think Redskins fans would surrender almost anything. So, um, let's, I want to move to, an. I want actually, give me your thoughts on the game on Sunday because I haven't gotten those from you. 
Well, you know, it was, I mean, the, the defense is, is just inexplicable. I mean, the, the, the lack of, like, the, you know, Jay talked about it. We have, we, we have to connect with these guys. There's no, there, there doesn't seem any, any connection between a game plan and the talent. I mean, you never hear, you didn't hear anybody on that defense stuff and step up and say, we had a great game plan. I don't know what went wrong. Sometimes you hear that from players. You know, the coaches had us ready. We just didn't do that. You didn't hear that. Right. You, ne- you never hear that anymore. All you, look, DJ Swearinger's words, they, 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 they should fly them on a banner uh, over, over Ghost Town Field uh, on Sundays for games. They really should because that man spoke the truth about what was going on there last year, and it's a continuation of this. I understand there's the caveat of the injuries that, that happened, but, but at, at times they just they seem frozen uh, you know, just totally baffled by Kellen Moore's uh, game plan, which wasn't that difficult, I don't think, to to basically get a hold of. Uh, and and then and then there's Josh Norman. Then there is Josh Norman, who I have now dubbed the Matador, basically with with, with his defensive play. Yeah. Uh, you know that this this whole diatribe about you know the media twisting his words and him taking a hold of the narrative. It's, it's such a misdirection play to, to take away the fact that, uh, I mean, teams are going after him now. I mean, teams look at the, look at the game films and they say, we're going after that guy, you know? And, and he's, he's terrible. Yeah. Right now. He's, yeah. he's terrible. And, 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 and you, can you change the defensive coordinator in the second week of the season? And what good would it do? Who do they have on their staff who you think would be better? Jim Tom Sula, we don't know that. Rob Ryan, people, I know Redskins fans who would love to have Rob Ryan as no, defense. Oh, I, absolutely. You do? Yes. I don't know anybody that would absolutely. want Rob Ryan to be the defensive coordinator. Because he's a name. He's oh, Rob Ryan. Oh, God, he's a buffoon. I know he is. I know he's he is. He's the guy that said we've got top five defensive yes. talent. So, so, you know, so the, I mean, it was it was a sort of a replay of what we saw starting to happen in Philadelphia in the second half, uh, and uh, all that said, Kevin, all that said, as bad as it is, the Redskins could be three and three after six games. They really could. Were you listening to the radio show this morning? No. Okay. No, I wasn't. Because not. I, so I, I want to. Okay, I want to circle back to this because I want to address a couple of okay. things that you said. Um, because Jay Gruden, what I heard from him yesterday, and I watched that press conference because I wanted to see sort of the body language. I see a guy that actually is projecting confidence at 0-2, um, which is interesting. But um, Greg Minuski, was, they tried to replace him. They couldn't find anybody to replace him. No one would take the job. They, wa- they wanted Greg Williams to take it. They wanted Todd Bowles to take it. They had defensive coaches, coaches on, this, uh, on the staff from last year, leave for lateral leave laterally, all right, for similar jobs and similar similar places because they wanted out of here. And they and replaced they, them with guys who weren't even in football exactly. last year. Rob Ryan is the perfect example. Ray Horton is another one. Uh, Tim Rattay had never been an NFL position coach before. Of course he's going to take the job. Um, this is part of the real challenge moving forward and how it gets fixed. And, you know, do you trust them to fix it even if they were to reboot it and all that? It's It's like they can't attract any quality. Defensively, this is shocking. 
Now they played two very good teams. Yes, they have better teams, which we knew. I mean, going I didn't, yeah, I didn't think anyone realistically thought they'd be nothing but zero and two after the first two weeks. But it is. Um, I think Jay believes it's poorly coached. I think Jay was part of the group that really wanted Minuski gone because Jay schemes up offense pretty well. It's the one thing he does. I'm not saying he's a good coach. Please pay attention. I wanted him fired at the end of last year. I don't think he's a good head coach. I think he's a good offensive mind. I think Jay looks at Minuski's stuff. He called it vanilla on Sunday, but with the caveat, we had young players out there because we were injured and we couldn't get it. We couldn't make it too complex. You know how you remember that that word vanilla? Yeah, M- uh, Mike Nolan. Mike Nolan, Dan yeah. Snyder dropping off ice cream. Uh, at Mike Nolan's desk. Saying, that would be an indication that he's not a good guy. Yes. <laughs> yes. For those of you who don't know the story, most of you do, um, in the year 99. 2000. In 99 no, it was or 90, 2000, his first year. The, the first year there um, when they had a, a, I mean, a blockbuster offense with, with Brad Johnson, and they won the division 10-6, uh, and six, won a playoff game. Uh, the offense was spectacular that year. The defense was bad. It was bad, and at some point, Snyder, who said he thought his team's defense was vanilla, um, brought in uh, a gallon of vanilla ice cream and put it on Mike Nolan's desk and let it melt all over his desk. Yeah. And Mike Nolan, you know, being, by the way, coming from a family of, of football, yeah, you know, Dick, Dick Nolan, Nolan was, was his, his father, father. coached the 49ers for years, um, you know, he blew it off. And, you know, here was this 34-year-old guy. Yeah. You know, drop an ice cream off at a desk. I, you know, I always say this, Tommy. I'm surprised, like that, that a guy like that hasn't gotten his ass kicked, like severely, a few times in life. You know, and I don't know what he's been like professionally and in business meetings, but you know, that kind of bully, especially a guy like him, there's got to be one out of ten guys that he messes with that says, "Uh, uh-uh. uh." You and, haven't. You haven't. And, and literally knocks him out you haven't seen the army of, of security around him when he walks around have you yeah i have i okay. have i just don't know if it was that way at 34 years old listen, walking around his own building uh, listen i i'm sorry some of the guys i see walking around there at, at, at fedex field with him uh i think they know where bodies are <laughs> okay so yeah I, I i think twice about that well um Anyway, uh, that that aside, um, m- the, the the defense is a train wreck ra- right now, and it's surprising. I mean, it's so bad. Like they're allowing teams to convert on third down sixty four and a half percent of the time. <laughs> Miami's third down D defense has been better, and they're not even trying to win <laughs> or stop anybody. Um, I, I I laugh at the people that say, well, you know, the offense could do better. Yeah, of course they could do better. But they're not even given the opportunity to get the football half the no. time. Dallas, and, and particularly as the game goes on. Yeah. Dallas had scored on five straight drives and then walked the clock off uh, to end the game. And Philadelphia essentially did the same thing. Whatever. I actually think the defense has some young talent. I think it'll get better. If Chicago comes in here, it's the first bad offensive team they faced in their first three and hangs 30 on them, then Minuski and maybe all of them should be fired the following morning. Um, the problem with uh, Monday night is going to be the ability to score against that team. But anyway, so you mentioned the 3-3 three and three thing. Oh, uh, what, real quickly, Josh Norman. Josh Norman, what he said about Dak Prescott, I listened to the whole quote. It was taken out of context. That was not the intent. No, of the, the quote. headline was taken out of context. The headline the was out of context. The, the full, full quote, quote was, was in the story. The intent 
was not to knock Dak Prescott. No, it wasn't. Okay, so I understand. But it, that doesn't mean it wasn't a stupid thing to say. I, uh, fair enough. But he didn't go into that trying to say Dak Prescott's right. bad. Right. Okay, but what he did say to the Post back in early August about this being the best defense yeah. he's been around and it could end up being an all-time Timer. best. Yeah. That was not taken out of context. And that is, you know, that speaks to what this organization has been been about culturally from the beginning of Dan Snyder and that is overpromising and and underdelivering in a way that's embarrassingly uh underdelivering um and just looking like fools in the process. And Josh Norman because there's no discipline, because there's no accountability for running your mouth, um just like Rob Ryan did, just like Landon Collins did, this is what they'll continue to do because Snyder is not a manager. Bruce Allen doesn't give a shit about this stuff apparently. So they'll continue to do it, they'll continue to look foolish and Josh Norman's play has been bad yes. so far in two weeks. And it wasn't very good last year. He's never lived up to the contract. He should have been released before this season started for the cap savings. Now, it's hard to cut him or sit him you know, in this game on, on Sunday because they didn't have anybody to play cornerback. But I'm ready to see the Josh Norman act end. I'd cut him. You know, once you get healthy at corner, you know, you don't, he, by the way, he's an, I like the guy. He's an interesting guy. He's, yes, you know, he he's interested in things. He's just not a good football player. So enough of Josh Norman. Did I already mention to you the Greg Williams, Tremaine Johnson thing? I already yes, mentioned you did. Okay, very good. But Josh um, Norman has, has that, uh, you know, I'm a victim mentality. Of course. I mean, that's, uh, in a way, that's how he got to where he is. He was a guy who wasn't, wasn't recruited out of high school. Right. Had, went to Coastal Carolina, was drafted, I think, in the fifth round by, by Carolina. So, you know, everyone's against me has gotten him this far. That works for a lot of people. Yes. You know? But, but it's a tired act. It's a tired act. It really is tired. And if you're a real organization, you would have cut him loose, you know, and saved the money, uh, gotten the cap savings because he can't play. Um, and, and at this point with him ranting against the media the other day, even though, you know, I do think that headline was inaccurate in terms of his intent. Um, and you know, pro football talk was the one who moved it that way. Oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Um, all right. So you mentioned the whole three and three thing. So, um, I asked the question this morning on the radio show. What do you want them to do at 0-2? Are you ready right now for the complete reboot? Or do you want them to continue to go try to have a season? Jay Gruden's uh, comments yesterday were very interesting, and I'll, I'll just paraphrase them. He spoke about a schedule here against Philadelphia and Dallas that was very difficult to start. Yes. That they had a lot of young players and injured players, in particular on Sunday against the Cowboys. Um, but that he is still optimistic, and he thinks they're doing some very good things on offense, and he thinks the defense will come around. You know, he wants it to be, I think, a little bit more aggressive. I think he should get involved. You know, if they're not going to – Minuski's – I know it, it, vanilla is the, the wrong w- word because I don't know that he's always vanilla. I think he had to be on Sunday. But he's not aggressive enough. Like, I, 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 there, this team wasn't energetic enough. But anyway – I think Jay's looking at this schedule and he's saying, you know what, Chicago can't score. We could win. The, we could win Monday night. The Bears is a, are a winnable. That's a winnable game. Uh, they're a very good defense. Yeah, that's still a winnable game. I mean, you know, you're not going to have an offense. I can't fathom you're going to have an offense 
running through uh, this Redskins defense. They have weapons. Don't get you know they, they faced two very good but, defenses, Green Bay and Denver, and now they're going to be facing a defense that right now statistically statistically is one of the two or three worst in the league through two weeks. But it's got talent. It needs John Allen back, but John Allen's not Aaron Donald. He's not no. Fletcher Cox. You know, he's not. He's just not that much. He's a difference maker, but he wouldn't have made the difference on Sunday, no. in my view. But I think Jay's looking at yeah, winnable as you said on Monday night. They 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 deem Monday night to be winnable. They're looking at that team saying, okay, you know Dallas has the best offensive line or one of them in football. They've got a top three running back. They got a quarterback who's really good right now. Prescott is. They've got weapons. Philadelphia's got weapons all over the field. And Carson Wentz. Now we get Mitch Trubisky and an offense that isn't that great. Although they've got some wep- weapons, and you know, right, Aaron? I mean, Tar Cohen's a weapon. This kid, David Montgomery, in, for, in two games at Iowa State, is a good back. They they still have um, Allen Robinson, and I like Anthony Miller. Like I, they've got some weapons, but they have not been good offensively so far. So he's looking at that, and then he's like, "Well, oh, then we go to the Giants. Yeah. Maybe now we get to face a rookie quarterback." Even though I really liked him, like Jay Jay really likes him. I'm yeah, and actually, and actually, yeah, they they're you know while I think the Giants is still a winnable game. It got a little bit less winnable without Eli Manning. <laughs> Maybe. I think. Maybe. Uh, look, they're going to be an underdog there, more likely than not. They're an underdog on Monday night. They'll probably be an underdog you know, at, if, if they were to lose Monday night in, in the Meadowlands. And then, okay, we get New England, but then we follow and that up with Miami. With Miami. So, and then, then you're looking at 3-3. Three and three. So if we can get to 3-3, three and three, and then, you know, we got some games that, you know, on the schedule look winnable. You know, the Lions and the Jets and the Panthers aren't really having a good yeah. year. And who knows what the 49ers really are, and that game's at home. Well, you know, 49ers, it depends if Trent Williams is playing left tackle for them by then or not. He won't be playing for the 49ers. Okay. <laughs> they are not. They will They will They will trade the, him the pe- to, to, to This Kyle? is the pettiest, most nickel and dime, you know, narrow-minded, small-minded, feeble-minded thing. The Redskins do not want to deal with Kyle Shanahan. I... I was told that with the whole Kirk Cousins thing. Kyle wanted Kirk Cousins, would have traded one of those first-round picks, maybe even number two overall, and the Redskins wouldn't even talk to Kyle. I mean, are you kidding me? What is wrong with our team president? <laughs> Seriously. And you saw the Trent Williams story from Les Carpenter, yes. right? The the uh, I'm going to read the... Um... Here's the quote from Carpenter. One person with knowledge of the Redskins thinking said Williams is not expected to return this week ahead of Washington's Monday night game against the Bears, despite recent media speculation that Williams might be willing to end his three-and-a-half-month holdout. The person said the team continues to, quote, wait out Williams, believing he will eventually tire of missing game checks and incurring the fines that have piled up since he began missing training camp practices and now games. The person also said Redskins owner Daniel Snyder does not want to renegotiate Williams' contract as a way to end the holdout. By the way, that is strategically placed by somebody in the organization with Carpenter because the Redskins continue to try to put out this narrative that it's all about money. You know, they don't want to look bad in this thing. So they want to continue to put out that it's all about money, even though I think most reasonable people would look at this and say there's a lot involved in this. And Trent Williams isn't just holding out for money at this point. Um, He does distrust the organization for whatever reason. I mean, so so by the way, you got – Denver, who's got a terrible left tackle here to start with. You got the San Francisco situation, and now Isaiah Wynn got hurt in New England. If Bruce isn't fielding offers, he's a moron of the highest order. Oh, he is a moron, even if he is fielding offers. Well, but he's, (laughs) you know, it's not even moronic. It's just so petty. 
It's it, what is he trying to win in this standoff with Trent Williams? He would win if he got a first and a third and a sixth. I, I mean, I would I would say, great job. That's what you should have done. How pleasant would it be right now? You've said this before to me. How pleasant would it be to get Trent Williams back now? After all yeah. that's transpired, yeah, I mean, wh- how what's that going to work? Is, is he going to be playing for this team? How's that going to be? And you know what? Let me ask you a question because you may know this better than me, uh, and Aaron may know this as well. There's a point in a season where if a player doesn't report, yeah, it's they, week week ten, okay, they lose that year it's an, of it's, service. It's a non-accrued season, and okay. then by the way, he's still got then two he years still left. has two years left. Yeah, so that really is is the is the drop dead date. I had um I had D'Angelo Hall on the show last week and you know D'Angelo's been talking to Trent yes. Williams. D'Angelo said to me last week he believes worst case would be by the week that he's got to right. get get in to have an accrued season. Yeah. He said that it would have accelerated and he would have been back sooner had the Redskins been talking to Trent, which apparently they're not according to him. Um so I I just don't I don't understand what they're thinking. I, I, you know, this is a this is a, a pair, all right, in Bruce and Jay that are very conservative. You know, I mean, Bruce, I think probably listens to Rush Limbaugh for hours upon hours every day. They're very conservative. They're, and by the way, I'm, I'm not I'm not casting aspersions. I mean, part of their that part of the the way they think in terms of being disciplined and not you know giving in to to demands. I guarantee you, they looked at this this Jalen Ramsey thing and this Minka Fitzpatrick thing. They were in on Minka Fitzpatrick apparently, and and I'm glad they didn't get him. I would not trade what could be a top two or three pick yes. in next year's draft for Fitzpatrick, um, especially with Chase Young at the top of that draft. You know, quarterbacks, etc. Um, but you know they they're, they they want they don't want people kneeling for an anthem they don't want people reneging on a contract this is personal to them it's based on the way they believe about everything and i'm not tying that in by the way to conservative politics i'm just trying to paint the picture of the kind of guy bruce is for some of you that might take that and think oh i didn't know that bruce and dan super conservative super hard asses when it comes to winning off the field you know, business negotiations, contract negotiations. To, it doesn't matter what happens on the field. They want to win this thing. They feel they are in the right and that he signed a contract that he's got two years left on, and we don't care if we're cutting off our nose to spite our face in the process. We're not letting this guy win. Of all, you know, it's so funny because... Do you agree with me on this? Yeah, I do. I, I do. And And the funny part is... The Redskins have such a horrible culture, a horrible culture know. inside that building. Yet, and the things I'm they sure want to win they, on. I'm sure they think this is our culture. This is what we believe. I'm sure they think they're taking the stand for right here. I mean, of all places to to basically draw the line, you know, it. it I I don't even know what to compare it to, but basically, I mean, if you if you lived, if you operated your business. In a, in in a in an upstanding uh, manner with with certain rules and regulations that made sense, then maybe I could understand this. This is this is part of who we are. We're just not going to do this. But they're 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 like a motorcycle gang with everything else. And here is where they're going to come in law and order. They would have gotten a first round pick 
for Kirk Cousins if they had dealt with the Shanahan's. So let's just say that they had a really horrible falling out with the Shanahan's, which they did. Okay. Yeah. And let's just say it's it was all the Shanahan's fault. I don't know why you would think that. I mean, every single person that's come here with reputation high is left with it diminished. Okay. They're not the first. They're not going to be the last. But why wouldn't, for the benefit of your football team, with a quarterback that you don't like and you don't want to offer big money to, and who, by the way, at this point, doesn't want to play for you anymore, um, why would you not call up Kyle and say, Hey, Kyle, bud, what's happening? How you doing? Um, Look, we got four or five teams interested in Kirk. We wanted to gauge your interest. By the way, you're doing a hell of a job out there. Um, you know, Michigan. You know, and we, some of those things happen. It's all it's all water under the the the, the bridge. We're, we're we're good here, and um, you know, we've got right now. The, you know, we've got five, three teams from the AFC and two other NFC teams that are making proposals. Wanted to give you, you know, a last chance here if you're interested in Kirk. Why wouldn't you be figuring out a way to deal that quarterback for a first round pick for a team that had a high first round pick and was willing to offer it? Instead of settling ultimately for a fourth round compensatory pick, and you're an idiot, and if for you doing that, if you did not think highly of Kirk Cousins, uh, if the Redskins didn't, wouldn't you think we're going to put one over exactly. on Kyle? We're going to we're, yeah. we're, going, we're going to fleece let's, this guy. Let's burn Kyle that <laughs> yes. a hole. I mean, because Kirk sucks. <laughs> By the way, I thought about this uh, last night or Sunday you know night. What? He does suck. Well, he was terrible Sunday. Uh, that's all right. They're they're going to go ahead and play the rest of the games with him this year anyway. Um, he. <laughs> <laughs> oh, baby. I love when you look at me like, man, you are not giving up on him. I'm not. I'm not. Um, but I did think about this. Can you imagine if he was lighting it up in Minnesota right now? How bad that would be for the t- franchise? Yes, it would. It would be even worse. Yes, it would. But but again, they're probably celebrating the off-the-field Kirk sucks win while they're losing to the Cowboys on Sunday. <laughs> you know? Um, anyway, I don't know what our team president's doing. Three teams minimum could be interested right now. Houston was interested early on. And right. Made a blockbuster offer for Tunsil and Miami because we didn't want to deal Trent. This is Pennywise pound foolish. This is a waste of energy. This is petty shit that we're talking about here. Like, get over yourself. Stop thinking that you're going to win if this guy comes back bleeding and crawling. Like, how is that a win when you're passing up on potentially getting a first plus for him, for a guy, Tommy, who does not want to play for you. No. He doesn't want to have anything and, and, to do and, with and you. Ha- and has basically damaged your organization's reputation. Not that there was much of a reputation left to damage. Has basically, has, has I mean, has damaged your, you know, your organization and besmirched some of the people who work for you. Right. All right. Um, I want to circle back here after I read this um, spot. To the Jay Gruden, you know, the, the your three and three thing, Jay Gruden projecting some optimism and find out what the best course of action is at 0 2. Because I have a slightly different opinion than I did last January or even before the season after watching the first two games. But first, um, a quick word about uh, my bookie. 
MyBookie.ag is a place that I recommend to wager. If you're looking for a place to wager, you know, we've talked about betting, and I'm a big gambler. Aaron's a big gambler. We bet on sports a lot. We talk about betting on sports a lot. You know I gave you out, Tommy, listen very carefully, a 9-0 spell test I read about it on social media. You did? I didn't I didn't put it out there on some, social no, media. No, so, some, some of your uh, supporters did. All right. So, uh, you know, and you want to take these plays – of course, be careful because usually the nine and zero is followed up with something much less. There's no chance I'm going nine and zero this weekend. But a lot of you have asked me over you know the years. You know I don't have access to a bookmaker. I don't have access to something offshore. I don't have access to a website. Well, I'm giving you one now. Mybookie.ag. All right, right now. They're one of the best to place a bet and feel like you know you're going to get paid if they win. They've got fast payouts. They've got better lines than any other sports book out there. They give you many ways to win, You know, not just straight bets, but parlays and teasers and halftime bets, bets and in-game action. Do the smart thing if you're looking for a place to wager on sports. Bet with my bookie. Um, again, you know they're going to offer a, a number of opportunities, including for my listeners, a chance to double your first deposit. If you join today by going to mybookie.ag and you use my promo code, which is Kevin DC, K-E-V-I-N-D-C, they will double your first deposit. So let's just say you want to put $100 into your account to start. They're going to give you a chance to have $200 in your account. Now, just so you know, because I get a, uh, this from a lot of people, Aaron, I'm sure you do too. When somebody says they're going to double your deposit, it doesn't mean that you can put $100 in. They're going to double it to $200, and you can just take it out. Okay, you, You've got to bet. You've got to place wagers before that kicks in, but they will double your first deposit if you are a sincere better. Go to mybookie.ag. Kevin DC is my promo code. It will activate that offer. Mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Um, okay, so back to this question about what they should do. And I was thinking about this based on something that somebody sent to me last night. They're like, the season's over at 0-2. They're going to lose to the Patriots. They're probably going to lose to the Bears. It's going to be 1-4. They're going to start playing Haskins. It's time for the reboot. You know I was in favor of rebooting this thing in January. Yes. I would have done that. I would have blown the whole thing up. I would have fired everybody. I wouldn't necessarily trust Dan to get it right, but I knew this group wasn't right. And there were a couple of players that you could start you know, accumulating draft choices um, by trading. Trent Williams was one. I wanted him traded in, in, in January. Ryan Kerrigan is a second. So that's what I was in favor of. After two games, I'm in favor of something in between. The offense in Case Keenum's play and the wide receivers have given me pause to what they could be this year. They're not a playoff team. They're probably going to be really bad record-wise because of this start, and it's about to snowball if they lose to Chicago, etc. But their offense is much better in two games than I ever would have anticipated it. So I would trade Trent Williams immediately. I'd even ask, I'd even look into the what I could get back for Kerrigan. But I'd leave Jay in place. If you want to fire Minuski, if you've got, if you think Tom Sula is going to do a better job, fine. I'd leave Jay in place. I'd leave Kaysen as the starter for now. I wouldn't start Haskins now, and I'd let this play out over the next couple of weeks. 
Because if you do beat Chicago and New York and lose to New England and beat Miami and you're three and three, you know, you're not going to make the playoffs. And I understand you would say, well, if you're not going to make the playoffs, what's the point? I say they're not going to make the playoffs because that's my belief. But if they're at three and three, there's a season to at least go attempt to have. So I'm in the middle. I wouldn't reboot it now. I might feel differently on Tuesday morning. Um, but I also wouldn't, you know, avoid trading Trent or taking back some real good value for Ryan Kerrigan if I got a good offer for him. So I'm somewhere in the middle. By the way, they are not anywhere near reboot mode. The team itself, they want Trent Williams to come in and play. They want they're they're looking at this schedule thinking we got a chance to get back to three and three. I think that's what they're thinking right now. Well, I mean that's that's not unreasonable, but but they don't I mean they don't they don't they don't see what they've done in the past to realize what they're going to do again this year Help and what them. they've Help always what they've always done. First of all, uh, the Surgeon General's warning: It doesn't matter who coaches the team. It doesn't matter who is the team president. It just doesn't matter. It, it's not. It's not. They're they're never going to be good as long as Dan Snyder owns the team unless so, they get like a Peyton Manning or quarterback so I mean but but you know what they'll do the, the, because that's the difference between Jim Ursay and Dan Snyder Jim Ursay did not mess up Peyton Manning Dan Snyder will mess up the quarterback his quarterback so that will happen uh the, the, the other thing is you mentioned Case Keenum let's take two things here about Case Keenum if Case Keenum looks this good under Jay Gruden's offense, then that makes Bruce Allen trading for Alex Smith an even bigger idiot than we than 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 he seemed to be. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I was in favor. I liked the Alex Smith trade when it happened because, from a PR point of view, it really you know gave I the liked, Redskins. I like the player actually a, a bounce back. Yeah, but. You know, it was clear from what we saw, he was not well suited for Jake. No. What Jake Gruden wanted to yeah, do. Yeah, I didn't see that coming. I liked no. the player, but it was not a good fit. No, this guy obviously is a good fit. I don't know if it's obvious. Let's well, I not, think let, it's, let's not go nuts. Here. I'm not saying he's great, but he he Jay likes this guy running his offense. I think our expectations, or at least mine, are influencing the reaction. My expectations were I didn't know if they had any pass catchers. I'm not, I was not a big Case Keenum fan. I was intrigued by the fit because I know Jay, Jay Gruden was more involved in the trade for Case Keenum, bringing Case Keenum here, than he was Alex Smith coming here. And I do trust Jay on a quarterback or a fit, you know, offensively. Um, but, you know, he's inaccurate at times. He is – he should have – Three picks minimum in the first two games. He's missed some easy touchdowns to McLaurin in the Philadelphia game that could have been a game changer. He had Paul Richardson running wide open against broken coverage. Wide open, I know. You know, before that, on that third and three, before they missed on the fourth and three, the fourth and three totally missed uh, Chris Thompson um, on that play. But Um, every every quarterback has those moments. That's true, but it's been better than I thought it would be, which is why I am more... I would say I'm cautiously optimistic that the offense isn't going to be a train wreck this year. So 
The so, running game sucks. Yes. Yes, it, it, it does. And I thought, they, and they I really, thought Peterson was okay on yeah, Sunday. Yeah, he was. They really missed Samaj P. Ryan. That's obvious. <laughs> right, right there. Yeah. You know, but again, so Bruce was an idiot for forcing a quarterback that, that, that didn't fit. I mean, that's what, that's what Bruce Allen is paid to do. He's paid to figure out the right personnel for this coach to use. Yeah, he shouldn't be paid for that. No. No, that's he, not what he does well. No. The second thing is, let's say at the end of the season, the Redskins are 7-9, and nine, and uh, Case Keenum's got 30 touchdowns and maybe 15 interceptions. You going to bench him? Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. You're going to bench a guy who just threw 30 touchdowns for you on a 7-9 and nine team? Um, if you tell me the only thing that would change that is if, you know, I, well, first of all, 7-9 and nine means everybody's gone. It's, it's, it. I don't even know if it means that anymore. Why right. do I keep saying that? I said that last year. But I would think that 7 and 9 means the coaching staff's gone. Let's say that's not true. Least. Let's not let's say everybody's back. The same decision makers are there and you're going to tell me you're going to bench your Tommy, 30 touchdown Jay, Jay, quarterback. Jay's not Jay's not back next year at 7 and 9. I don't know that Jay wants to be back next year. That's true. At 7 and 9. I don't know that Jay isn't in the mode but of I, almost I'm doing, trying. I'm I'm asking you to, to make sure that this to is answer last year. this scenario question. Yes. You're going to bench him for 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 Dwayne Haskins. Um, I think I would. Yeah, I mean, I, it, how could you do that? Well, because isn't it a results oriented business? And your quarterback just gave you results. It's impossible that you for me to answer that with. question because if the th- thirty and fifteen, that's a lot of interceptions. Just so you know. If you told me it's 30 and 10, and by the well, way... That's the, a no-brainer, and, 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 30 and 10. I'm and, trying and to make offense, it... And the offense was the reason they got to 7 and 9. I'm trying to make it challenging. And, 30 and 10 is not a challenge. They can't be that stupid. Okay? So that my, now my point is, look, what they did at the beginning of the year is they took their offensive MVP... A thousand-yard rusher who averaged over four yards a carry last year, and benched him for a guy who had never played in the NFL before, just because they drafted him. You know he's on pace right now for forty touchdowns and no interceptions. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so they did. Re- they did. A, if he threw forty touchdowns with no interceptions, <laughs> he's coming back. So they did with a lesser, Jay or without him, a lesser version of this with Adrian Peterson. This would be a little bit stronger. Uh that that's a scenario I'm rooting for. Seven and nine, Case Keenum, thirty touchdown passes, tops, fifteen interceptions, and then they're going to announce Dwayne Haskins is our starting quarterback next year. I want to see that one. I think it's going to be more interesting to see if Dwayne Haskins continues to sit if they are one and four, one and five, three and seven, no matter how Keenum's playing. Because that, to me, would not be an indication that you know they are all in on Keenum for next year. It would be an indication that they are fearful of putting Haskins out there. And that would be a major red flag. Because again, like we've said multiple times, these highly drafted young quarterbacks play. Daniel Jones is going to start in week three. The only reason he didn't start in week one is because he was behind Eli Manning. A franchise icon, a two-time Super Bowl winner, and they didn't want to bench him at the end of his career. But they benched him pretty damn quickly. Yes, they did. All right, because they drafted somebody at number seven overall or six overall. 
Six overall? Six. Yeah, at Jones. And these guys play. So, you know, Haskins is sitting behind Case Keenum at this point. So Keenum's going to have to really light it up, even more so than he is in the... Uh, he's been good in the first... He's not been the reason they're 0-2. And he's been better than I thought, and the receivers have been much better. Terry McLaurin is... He looks like the real deal. It's two games, we'll see, but he's got speed, he's got separation... You know he he's a good route runner. He's got he's got all that stuff, um, but I, I I don't know the answer to that. It's like there's so many things that would be involved in the context. But I if it's thirty and fifteen and they're seven and nine, they're going they're more likely than not it's Dwayne Haskins next year, because the owner will make sure that it's Haskins. Yes, yes. So that that the will owner, come into play. Yeah, that that will that will come into play then. Now, by the way, they they'd have Haskins would have a choice here, off a of thirty touchdown 15 interception season in this dysfunction at seven and nine he may have more opportunities as a free agent he's a free agent at the Keenum, end of this you year. mean Keenum Keenum that's what yeah. I said didn't I no you said Haskins. my fault Keenum okay. yeah 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 he may that's by the true. way he, he doesn't have any value right now a lot of people have tweeted me why not trade him to Pittsburgh no there's no value for Keenum right now nobody's going to give you that much for Keenum and what about the forgotten man Colt yeah what if he gets healthy? What about him, Tom? What if he gets healthy and let's say let's say Case Keenum goes out in week seven with an injury? Who are they bringing in? Did you see when Jay was asked about him yesterday? No. I think, I don't know who asked him. Maybe JP asked him and he said, he hesitated, he said, he was sort of nodding. Yeah, Colt, Colt's going to get some work this week, some individual work this week. He's excited about that. Yeah, I know. He, he's been dying <laughs> he's to put that guy out there. He's excited about that. So, I mean, you know, you may not see Haskins, even if for some reason, uh, if if Keenum is benched for any, uh, like, let's say, let's say he gets hurt. And I, again, I, I, I'm still not shying away from the idea that all three quarterbacks are going to wind up getting hurt for them at some point this year. Uh, but the, I guarantee you that the, the the play calling and the offensive line has protected them better than I thought they would. Yeah, the offensive line's done a good yes. job in pass yeah. protection. Yes, they have. Yeah, yeah, yes, they have. But uh, it, it's not going to be it's not going to be Keenum to Haskins if Keenum has to go out with an injury at some point this year. It'll be Keenum to McCoy. So if he goes out for injury or performance or record. And Colt McCoy comes in. That is the biggest red flag on Dwayne Haskins. That is Jay Gruden telling you, I, I can't put him out there for his <laughs> for his own protection. I mean, seriously. I mean, I, I've said this since you know the beginning of training camp. I, I'm not gonna feel like they erred in that, that Snyder, you know, messed up the pick in weeks one through five. If Keenum's playing, playing well, and the team's competitive, it's if you get to one and five or zero oh and six or two and seven, and Haskins isn't playing, that's the red flag. Or if they, they then go to Colt McCoy <laughs> at two and seven, that would be an absolute indication that the football people are not really digging Dwayne Haskins. And what I've heard is that he has got a long way to go. I had someone call me. I'm not going to tell you who it is. It was, it was an off-the-record conversation. When I was really advocating in the final few weeks of the preseason that they, they, they just get Haskins in there quickly and predicting that they might even play him in a series against Philadelphia in the right. opener and predicting that he would play by week four. And I had somebody call me and just say, he's not ready. They're, they're, he's a lo- it's a long way to go. 
there is a massive difference between Keenum and Haskins right now. So, and this is a guy that I, I would take his word for that. He, he would know what they thought. Right. He may not know from personal observation, but he would know what the staff thinks. Um, anyway, uh, I do think that there is, you know, this Gruden thing and the Minuski thing. Like, my, my position right now is, like, I'm, I wouldn't reboot it this week. I wouldn't be firing everybody. But Monday night, if they get run out of the building, Tuesday morning, it's, the season's over. Well, it, it would be a nationally televised disaster at this point. <laughs> yeah, but they've had those before. I, I that's true. They have. Yeah. In fact, they they typically do. They do. Um, Roethlisberger's out for the year. Drew, Says he's coming back. Drew Brees is out for the uh, for six weeks, and this is why I always caution everybody when they look at these schedules. You don't know what's going to happen. Your teams will change dramatically. No less than a third of the teams will change dramatically within the first four or five games of the season because of injury. Now, the Saints is an interesting scenario because uh, from anything I've read, now they think they're going to be validated by paying Teddy Bridgewater the money they did to be the backup quarterback. I like Bridgewater. I do like Bridgewater. I, I liked him in Minnesota. I don't think he had great coaching there. Sean Payton's a different dude. It would not surprise me if Bridgewater plays well for Sean Payton. It wouldn't surprise me either. Um, and I, I'm rooting for it because that was a horrific injury. Yes. And, you know, he, he did. I, I know that the defense was the key to that playoff season when the, and the field goal kicker blew it in the playoff game at home against Seattle. Um, but I, I, I don't know. There's something about Bridgewater that I've always liked going back to, you know, Louisville. I just always thought I, that, that's a guy that is going to – is going to get it done. It's sort of the same way I felt about Jacoby Brissett, although he was not a first-round pick. And I think Brissett started off pretty well. Um, so, you know, you've got these major changes at quarterback, you know, in the NFL. Uh, and, you know, by the way, if I didn't say this already, I'm glad the Redskins didn't get Minka Fitzpatrick for a first-round pick. Maybe they weren't even offering a first-round pick. I think Pittsburgh is dumb to send their first-round pick to to Miami for Fitzpatrick. I know what the pro football focus numbers say about Fitzpatrick's season last year as a slot corner. Same thing they said, you know, not to the same extent about Kendall Fuller, you know, his rookie season in 2017. I just don't buy all that. I think Fitzpatrick's good. I think he's a talent, but I would not give up what could be a top five pick in next year's draft for for Fitzpatrick. You know, these corners are tough to really predict. He looks good right now, but if I had a chance at Chase Young or if I were in need of a quarterback like Pittsburgh might be at the end of this season with a top five pick, I'd want that pick back for yeah, a quarterback. Absolutely. Um the uh what did you make um of some of the things that happened with the officiating over the NFL weekend? Did you follow that? What happened in the Rams Saints game? Yeah, I followed the Rams Saints thing. That, that that's that's a terrible that's an egregious mistake. You know, there's been such an emphasis on not blowing these plays dead on, you know, fumble slash incompletion, you know, fumble, you know, versus, you know, or out of bounds versus inbounds. Let it play out. You've got a mechanism there to fix it after the fact. You can't blow that play dead. Man, New Orleans got screwed yeah. in that game. That should have been 10-3 their lead. Well, just add to the lawsuits. Yeah, which insufferable. The I'm New Orleans in all in favor of those. I know you are. Um the uh, the pass uh, the roughing the passer call on Bradley Chubb at the, at the end of that Broncos Bears game is one of the worst you'll ever yeah, see. Absolutely, it's just terrible. Like you've got, they've got to get a memo out. We cannot 
go in with the mindset of the quarterback's not allowed to be tackled or sacked. That's essentially what that is. The quarterback, in, in this game, he's not allowed to be sacked. You're not allowed to touch the quarterback. If you do, you know it's going to get flagged. You can't have that. That's a massive play. And by the way, a big change in the early season for the Broncos. They probably win that game, and it's a great win to come yeah. from behind yeah. in that spot. Um, versus, you know, what ended up happen- happening, which is that that 15 yards put him in position to get that last play and get a, a walk-off field goal. It was a long field goal, but still, it, it was just... Uh, this is the part of the game that really is painful to watch. I think for NFL fans to sit down on a Sunday and watch these very, you know, the, the, these these truly unharmful hits get flagged, it, it we're all for helmet to helmet something late and vicious but not that you can't have a quarterback whose arm is getting hit while he's still throwing it right. and then he gets it out barely and is being grabbed while he's throwing it Terrible. and have it be a, a penalty Terrible which call. costs Part- a team a game particularly the timing of it oh it was awful the other thing that was awful is just this offensive, this pass interference, you know, review uh, review capability. The Minnesota Green Bay game at the end of the first half was just horrible. You had, and I watched this. I didn't watch it live. I watched it yesterday on Game Pass. Aaron, I don't know if you've seen this. Minnesota scores at the end of the half to cut a twenty-one nothing deficit to twenty-one fourteen. At that point, Kirk throws a touchdown pass to Stephon Diggs. And they're all celebrating, and there's no flags on the field. No flags, and they're all going back to the bench, and here comes the extra point team on to kick the extra point. And then the referees blow the whistle, start crossing their arms, you know, and they start heading over to to see what the the, the review's about. And because there's no flag or there's no controversy, a fumble, did he catch it? No one knows what's going on. They're like, what? What's going on here? Well, what was going on is Al Riveron and company in New York are contemplating throwing a flag for a missed offensive pass interference call. And did you see that? What they so they throw the flag from New York. Here comes the flag in from New York, <laughs> crossing Midwest, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, moving north, Tommy, through Michigan and Wisconsin, and Mi- oh, there it is, Atlanta. Look at Lambeau Kevin Field. showing us off his geography. I, here. That's one thing I know. I don't know a lot. I know geography. I don't even know if I got it right in order. I think I got it right in order. And there's the flag, and there's like, what's going on here? Well, New York decided that Dalvin Cook. Ran, committed offensive pass interference on the touchdown play. If you watch the play, it's not offensive pass interference. But that's not even the point. If it had been, if if you thought it was sort of fifty fifty OPI, that's not what this rule's for. No, this it's rule for the egregious. For the, this rule is for the obvious. P.I. that gets missed on the field. What happened in New Orleans at the end of the NFC Championship game. Not Dalvin Cook running into the end zone and barely grazing a defender. All right, That's not what this rule is for. This is a disaster in the making. They've got to stop that. You cannot have that. You cannot have New York throwing a flag for a play that is a 50-50 call at Absolutely best. Absolutely not. It... it, 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 it that should only be reserved 
for like you said. They, I mean, where where somebody in New York says, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Right. We can't let that pass. We can live with this, but we can't live with that. Exactly. Now, the coaches for the other 56 minutes of the game, you know, not the final two minutes of a half or a game, have the ability to throw the challenge flag if they want. And to me, if they had thrown the challenge flag, if this had happened with two minutes and 10 seconds left in the first half, I can't imagine that they would have called OPI. It was so, the contact was barely there. It was not a true intent to pick or a true intent to interfere. It was really, first of all, that call's always subjective. But in this particular case, it was like, no, that's not, I mean, that might be OPI, but it probably isn't. The point is it's debatable. Yes. All right? So once it becomes debatable, you can't overturn the call on the field or the non-call on the field. Anyway, that's it on that. Um, I do have some coaching blunders that I want to go through today. Uh, but quickly, uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as we ask all the time, rate us. It really helps us. Review us. Write a review. Short review. Uh, only if you like the show um, sh- should you write a review. And then subscribe um, to the show. It doesn't cost you anything, and it really helps us. It helps our daily numbers. You, you get sent the show without having to go get it yourself and it's not taking up, you know, big time space in your phone. If you if you're if you're using the podcast icon on an iPhone, you know, I've got I've got two or three podcasts that I download. It's it's the space that it's taking up is minuscule. Um, but it helps us. Also, remind people that want to listen to the podcast that don't, don't know how to do a podcast the normal way that the show is available on the kevinsheanshow.com. Um, wanted to real quickly get to the Nats. First of all, I hope Davey Martinez is all right. You know, he had chest pains Sunday. Tommy is in the hospital. They did an angiogram. Hopefully he's okay. You're, you're in your phone right now. What are you doing? You're not paying attention to me. No, I'm paying attention to you. You're talking about Davey Martinez. Have you heard anything? I, I mean, I had Zuckerman on the show earlier. There's no update on it. No, I mean, what, what he, look. He had you a, know a heart catheterization. Right. It's an angiogram. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And, and that's to determine uh, that there's something that, that, look, they don't do that unless there's something going on. And that's to determine what is going on. Yeah. They try to find the chest, why the chest pains are right. because if there's a blockage. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, that, so it, it's, it's a serious situation for him. And, you know, I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to look for is. Uh, what are you looking for? The uh, the incident that just happened about a, a few days ago, where the, the guy bunted Chuck. Uh, who's who is the guy who got, who bunted the ball into his eye uh, in a Nationals game? Culberson. Uh, Culberson. That was it. Culberson. And 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 Davey caught some flack for that. And uh, after the game, you know, Davey said, you know, the, I mean, he clearly was upset. By you know by you know, his portrayal in this, and he said, "Look, I'm not trying to be a jerk here." When you, you see know. when you said he was bunting, he took a 91 mile per hour fastball. To he the, tried to bunt. He tried to bunt. Yeah, yes, right. He tried to bunt. Right. And so uh, basically, I think Davey. You know, I, I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but Davey was clearly upset by the way he was being portrayed in in, in that, and uh, felt very bad about it. Very apologetic about it, and now we have this this heart incident a couple of days later. I mean, I, look, I'm I'm just saying, uh, he he 
he internalizes a lot of stuff. I mean, he, I mean, he, he, his goal is basically like there's there's some people who go through life and uh, you know they're 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 basically you know walking with a dark cloud in front of them, not above them, but in front of them. They want to create a dark cloud where they're going to go. And Dave Martinez is the opposite. You know, he's the opposite. That's why, in in many ways, he's been the perfect manager for this team because he's willing to stand out there uh, game after game, not not put not blame anybody else. You know, talk positively every 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 week when they were early in the season, when when they were playing poorly. But uh, it's a job that takes its toll. You see guys age over the course of a season in, in this kind of job. And you know, it's funny. I know Davey. Uh, there was one point this year where he he does pregame workouts uh, for himself, and one of the things he was doing was put you know pushing the the truck tire over mm-hmm. workout, and he said he did it a hundred times, wow. you know, before a game, and basically that's what the job is like sometimes, especially when you're coming back from being nineteen and thirty one, you're pushing a truck tire over every night right. to try to get the team, and so it takes its toll. The Nationals right now are, are heading for a storybook season. Could be a fairy tale, could be a nightmare. But it's a storybook season. This is not the typical Nationals year. No, it isn't. This is going to be very different. The storybook season is the Nationals manage to, to make the playoffs, uh, win a wild card game, maybe get beyond that. But I think that's a big if. Let's just say make the playoffs after going nineteen and thirty-one. Mm-hmm. To me, the win the wild card game and be in a yeah. best of five against the Dodgers in the NLDS. Yeah. Let, let, yeah. Let's take that. Uh, they rally uh, around their manager, uh, who, who's got some health issues at this point. He comes back, manages the team, and at the end of all that, when they exit, if they exit in that first round, uh, you know, w- within a couple, within a week. Anthony Rendon is a Washington National. Okay, here's the nightmare scenario. Uh, they continue this free fall. By the way, you forgot part of that storybook is that Anthony Rendon ends up winning, shockingly, the NL MVP because his numbers now across the board are pretty much better than Bellinger's. But he's not going to win it. I know. Uh, well, I so know. Zuckerman said that it's it's getting I, I was interesting. I, I, listened to, I listened yeah. to you this morning, and I was surprised that, that he said that. I don't think it will be. Uh, the nightmare scenario is uh, they don't make the playoffs. They continue to struggle with a very tough schedule. Uh, Dave Martinez' uh, health issues become a problem, you know, f- for the team. And at the end of this thud of a season, Rendon leaves. Rendon, uh, you go through another Harper off season mm-hmm. where it lasts until March. Or something like that, and he signs with another team. He's going to sign with another team. They're not going to make him know, the kind you, of you, offer. You, that, I don't, that I don't he, understand that. That that he's going to why need. because all he's the real deal. I know that, but but they they are going to have to pay so much more than they would have had to pay. And that'll bother them last spring, and that will drive them mm. crazy. And and all it takes for Boris is one owner. One owner to get, and it could be the guy, it could be in Texas where they're going to open up a new ballpark next year, the Rangers are. But he, that's all he got in Harper. Basically, I know there were other suitors, 
but he targeted the Philly guy all offseason. That's what he does. He gets his jaws into an owner, and he convinces them that this guy, this is the guy you have to have no matter what, and all it takes is one. And the learners will never be the owners that will be convinced we have to have him no matter what. And then then the clerk's the clock starts ticking on Juan Soto. Right. Another Boris candidate. As we have basically the Nationals six or seven year rental player plan. Yeah, well now you're talking about, you know, essentially the Nationals becoming the Marlins in some ways. Yes. Um, I mean not, that's, yeah. a, that's so much. so I mean I I think it's gonna be a tough road for them to make the playoffs. You talked about the schedule on your show this morning. They have a very difficult schedule compared to most of the teams they're competing with. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't understand how Fangraphs and the other sites have national Nationals as such a lock to make the playoffs over 90%. Uh, they've got no bullpen. I mean, they have no they have nobody, not one real pitcher that they could say is locked down. Right. Not one. That's pretty bad. They um, And their starting pitching is not giving them the innings that they need to relieve the bullpen. Um, you heard me say it, but for those that haven't, just go check out Milwaukee's schedule the rest of the way versus the Nats' schedule. The Nats have two more with St. Louis. They do have three with the Marlins on the road and then five with the Phillies and three with the Indians. And meantime, Milwaukee – um, faces uh, basically, and I know they don't have Yelich, but they've won nine of ten. They've won three in a row. They're red hot. Um, they face the Padres, Pirates, Reds, and Rockies. Yeah. Now the Rockies are on the road, and that's always tough. You know, at the end of the year, and the Cubs, um, the Cubs, meantime, uh, are in a situation where they're still. They're, all three of them are still in the battle for the division. All, all any one of those three teams, St. you Louis, could wind Chicago, up. Or you Milwaukee, could wind up losing to the Cardinals in the wild card. You, yeah, you could. You could end up playing the the. the or you losing to them for that second yeah. wild card spot? Um, the Cubs still have uh, two more with the Reds. Then they have uh, seven games with the Cardinals. But the problem with that is. You are moving up if you play well into the position of winning the division, and the, you know, now you're competing with the other team. Potentially, it could be St. Louis. They also have three games with the Pirates uh, on the um, the Nats. You know, it's a tough schedule. We'll see. I mean, it's going to be exciting. I actually have really been into this for over a month now. You know, watching the Nats, watching the out of town scoreboards, and you know, you'll be able to do that tonight's a big night. You know, the Nats, uh, the Nats have the Cardinals who are in a division race. Um, they are putting Corbin out there um, against this guy, uh, Mikolas. And at the same time, you know, later tonight, uh, or at the same time, Brewers have the Padres at home and the Cubs have the Reds at home. And you got all that going on. And then the Phillies, I'm sure, Phillies fans, you know, it's it's a long shot, clearly. Um, but the Phillies uh, are thinking, hey, we have five with the Nats. You know, what if we ran five in a row after winning a couple to get back into the No, thing. I don't think Philly fans nah. are thinking that. Yeah, maybe not. I think they're thinking about Carson Wentz and, and, and another Super Bowl. Yeah. I think they've moved on from the Phillies. Perhaps. Um, I think that's it. I've got coaching blunders for the week. You want to stick around for it? Uh, yeah. Bad play calls. Clock management gaffes. Missed opportunities. It's Coach Sheehan's Blunders of the Week. All right. Um, I got a couple of them, and I said this on the radio show this morning. If you're sending these to me on Twitter, I really appreciate it, you know, and I'm getting a lot of them over the course of the weekend. Hey, Kevin, did you see this? And what you typically are doing most of the time is you're saying, hey, check out that Iowa-Iowa State game for the coaching blunder. 
I need more than that. <laughs> I need, I need, you know, end of first half clock management by the Iowa coach. You know, I need more than that because if you just give me the game, it's too hard to go back and find it if I didn't see it already. But I do appreciate the effort. So we're going to start with Saturday where Florida was down to Kentucky 21-10 to in this game, Aaron. I don't know if you were paying attention to it. Um, and then they lost Felipe Franks, their quarterback, who is really not very good. Uh, and with, uh, to me, in many ways, the thing that's been ho- holding a, a talented Florida team back. Anyway, the backup quarterback comes in, leads them on you know multiple drives to take the lead, and they are up 22-21 late in the game, and now Kentucky's driving. Once Kentucky gets into field goal range at the end of this game, if you are the Florida coach Dan Mullen and you're up 22-21, you have to be playing worst-case scenario with the clock. You have to assume when they get it to your 25-yard line that they are going to have a chance to kick a very makeable field goal and you're going to be losing at the end of this drive. If you don't think that way, then you're going to give them a chance to kick a field goal with much less time left on the clock for you to respond to that made field goal. So it gets under two minutes, and Florida's got a first, uh, Kentucky's got a first and 10 at the Florida 26 yard line. They run a play, and Mullins just sitting there with three timeouts left. Clock's just running. And even the announcers are saying, man, I, I think Dan Mullins should be taking a timeout here. They're going to need some time back. If they after the made field goal, and then after the second down play, he finally calls his first timeout with about a minute to go. He wasted 40 seconds of the clock. Now, what ended up happening is Kentucky missed the field goal. But the point is, if they had made the 35-yard field goal, which was a short field goal, they would have had about 50 seconds left down 24-22 instead of roughly a minute and a half left to go get in field goal range to try to kick a game winner. Now, the second coaching blunder of the week happened shortly thereafter in the same game. Florida got the ball back after the missed field goal up 22-21. to Kentucky had timeouts left. And before a third down and six from their own 24-yard line, Kentucky hoping to get the stop, Aaron, call a timeout, force a punt, have about 25 seconds left to go get in field goal range again and give the guy that just missed another chance. Florida runs a fly, you know, a, a fly sweep, and the receiver who's on the uh, on, on the end of the handoff and on the run gets the first down and keeps running. Up one. This is a coaching mistake, not to tell your runner. If you get the first down, go down. Game over. Instead, he takes it to the house, touchdown, they kick the extra point. And Kentucky's getting the ball back with 30 seconds to go, down by eight. Everybody follow that? If he goes down, the game is over. They take the next snap, take a knee, clock runs out, they win 22-21. By scoring with 30 seconds to go, now Kentucky actually has a chance with 30 30 seconds to go to score a touchdown, get the two-point conversion, and force overtime. If the Florida runner goes down, the game is over. That's something that's got to be coached up. You've seen a lot of teams over the years understand that more. Didn't happen at the end of that game. Um, in the Denver Bears game, which we talked about early, earlier because of the terrible roughing the passer penalty call on Bradley Chubb, 
This was a really interesting game. Uh, Vic Fangio in his first year, he's a really good defensive mind. And Denver played better defense on Sunday than they did in the opener against the Raiders. Why am I paying attention to Denver so much? Because I picked them to be the surprise (laughs) team in the NFL. And they're 0-2. But they really should have won this game. They should have won the game because of the terrible roughing the passer penalty against Chubb gave Chicago life there at the end to get in field goal range. But... When they scored, Flacco led this incredible drive where he converted multiple fourth downs on the drive with, you know, really good, you know, clutch Flacco type of throws. You know, he can suck. I understand that. But it's amazing, this guy, over the course of his career. You need a drive late with your team needing a touchdown, how many times he's delivered in that spot. He throws a touchdown pass to Emmanuel Sanders, and Fangio decides to go for two. Now, I didn't love that decision. By the way, it happened twice on Sunday, Aaron. Jacksonville went for two with with Minshew as the backup quarterback to try to uh, to win that game, and they missed it and lost 13-12 to instead of kicking the PAT for overtime. I don't know what the context of that game was. I do know what it was in the Denver game. Denver had Chicago completely gassed at the end of that game. It's the altitude. It's a long physical game. Denver's gone on three long drives in the fourth quarter to cut a 10-point deficit to now 13-12 to with a pending extra point to tie and force overtime. But Fangio decides to go for two. In the context of it, first of all, the Bears' defense is really good, so your chances of making that two-point conversion are probably less than 50-50. But the Bears' defense is gassed, and I just thought if it went to overtime, it would have been advantage Denver at home. And, you know, against a Chicago team that seemed to be running out of gas. Now, maybe he said they are out of gas, which is why we're going to go for it right here on one play. Now, what was interesting is there was a delay of game penalty. So then he puts in the the, uh, kicker to kick the PAT, but there was offsides against the Bears. So then he decides to go for the two again. Uh, And they made the two, and they had the 14-13 lead. I wouldn't have gone for two in that particular spot. Yeah. Can I break in here for one brief moment? Of course moment? you can. Uh, nothing to do with coaching blunders. But uh, before we wrap... Well, I'm not done with my coaching blunders. Yeah, but I think you want to get to this. And, we're, and you know, we're running a little bit long here, buddy. Okay. What NFL news uh, broke at around 1021 this morning? Uh, the news about Daniel Jones? Right. At 1021 this morning, Dwayne Haskins Jr., Simba7, uh, DH Simba7 on Twitter, tweeted out, Sheesh. Really? Yes. Yes. Okay. That I'm That's do- a little I'm, bit noteworthy. I'm done with my coaching okay. <laughs> for the day. A little bit noteworthy, I'd say. Sheesh. Sheesh. Right around the same time, right around the news broke that Daniel Jones was starting now for the <coughs> New York Giants. What does sheesh mean? Sheesh means to me like are you serious? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. How do we know that he thinks it means that? Well, he's got an Ohio State education, doesn't he? A <laughs> uh, <laughs> little bit interesting. Well, yeah, because he said the league done messed up. Yes. When they took Daniel Jones in front yes. of him. Yes, he did. The league done messed up. So there you go. That's the, that's the thinking, I'm sure, in the business of Haskins and Haskins. Sheesh. <laughs> Whoa. Hold on. Let me just make a note for... Uh, I just want to make sure we got that in. 
I'm, do you, whenever this happens, and of I, course the reactions after that from from the uh, from his, all his big fan base, uh, you next, bro, uh, patience, Simba, uh, patience, my guy, it's yours, patience. Uh, we all know what this means, but your time's coming, you know. I wonder if he and the father and the family know that the actual head coach of the football team liked Jones more than Haskins, had him rated higher than Haskins. On oh, the I, I, I think the father knows. <laughs> um, I think they know. But, you know, I, I, am, I am actually, I want to see Haskins. I said this um, yesterday, I think, on the podcast. I actually think some of the throws that that Keenum missed are throws that were perfect for Haskins. Some of the deep throws, right? Um, and by the way, I think Haskins does look deep, so I think they wouldn't have missed Richardson on the deep one because I think that's what Haskins thinks about throwing the ball deep. Um, I know he threw a lot of sideway passes at Ohio State. I understand that. Um, I well, maybe you, you, I, I, I you, just, you, you maybe yeah, you're saying yeah, sheesh. No, no, I'm not. Here's my reaction to this. I just it's this generation of using social media in a way in which they don't understand that more seasoned and mature adults, their response to that is sheesh. Yes. Like when we read that, it's like, oh God, <laughs> don't do that. Just stay off social media. And go in and work hard. And when you get your opportunity, make sure the whole world understands that Daniel Jones should have never been picked in front of you. The league done messed up was a stupid line. Sheesh is stupid. It's just... But then again, you know, there are people listening to this right now who are younger who are saying, ah, there's nothing wrong with that. Come on, man. You're old. Your old, you know, the whole get off my lawn thing is is getting old. This is what we do. We use social media. He sees Daniel Jones starting. He wants to start. It's he's he's a competitor, man. Come on, no, no, just stop. Don't say anything. Please don't say anything. Sheesh, if Kevin. we end up with another RG three here, <laughs> I don't know if I can take it. <laughs> I seriously don't, because I'll tell you what, for all the talk about how, you know, um, he's gotten along with everybody in Baltimore and that he's a good teammate and all of that. And I, you know what? For his sake, I hope that's true. He is still insufferable on Twitter. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. It's just insufferable to follow him on Twitter. I do it because it's entertaining and I want to see, but it is, it's just too much. He still has an inflated opinion of himself. Oh, my God. I yeah. mean... He, I wish he had put out sheesh <laughs> to the Daniel Jones news because I'm sure he believes he should be starting somewhere. Oh, I'm sure. He, but that's not unusual. Lots of backup Did Colin Kaepernick tweet out sheesh? No, he didn't. <laughs> Did Colin Kaepernick tweet out uh, to when, when, uh, when, when Roethlisberger and Breeze went down, hey, I'm available? <laughs> because I, I would imagine, and I haven't, I haven't seen this, but I just was thinking about this, do you think Kaepernick thinks he should be the backup in Pittsburgh or New Orleans? Who's the backup to Mason Rudolph? Because they traded Josh. Did they tra- trade their uh, third stringer? They just stringer? signed Paxton Lynch. Did they really? Didn't they want to bring Landry Jones back? 
he, but he signed with an XFL yeah, team? He's not with an XFL team, but he has signed a contract with, with the, the XFL. XFL. Okay. Is Taysom Hill, he's obviously the backup in New Orleans, right? Because he plays and he's a quarterback I mean, he's less of a backup and more of the gadget guy. So well, Do they have a, a backup quarterback? I'm not sure if they have an official backup right now. Well, I think I've got How a good... How about Colt McCoy? Yeah. I've How got... about Colt? Colt can't stay healthy. My boy can't stay healthy. It's not the, right. It's not in the cards for him. I think you should title this podcast Sheesh. Sheesh. Yeah, you know, it took about an hour and a half to get to the title of the podcast, <laughs> but we will call it Sheesh today. Um, damn. I don't. I mean, you don't like to see that. No, it's not good. I mean, look, you could say it's not a big deal, but it's not a good deal. <laughs> you know what? It, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's just one of those things that... And you that know a what? lot of us say if, if we had an eye roll to. If we hadn't gone through the whole RG3 ordeal here, I don't think we'd put as much weight behind it. Probably. Yeah. I you know what? We were we were really impacted by yes. that experience. Yes. Yes. I think yes. everybody in this town was. Um all right. Uh that <laughs> we're done. We're back uh, with Tommy on Thursday. I'm back tomorrow, um, and uh, we'll talk more about sheesh. (laughs) Have a great day.